live from Southern California, this is the Jim Rome Show. Let me start with some college basketball. In fact, something much more, much bigger than the game itself. Something massive, something dark, something depressing, something frankly horrifying, which is hanging over now the entire college basketball season and more. And yes, that cloud got even darker and even more depressing and even more horrifying yesterday than it already was. Of course, I'm talking about the situation at Alabama concerning the current number two team in the country and the tragic, fatal shooting of a 23-year-old, Jamea Harris. Now, until yesterday, we thought that it involved one tied men's hooper, Darius Miles, whose gun was allegedly used in that shooting. And I should say former tied men's hooper Darius Miles because he was removed from the program after the allegations came to light. That was horrible enough. But the new information makes it even worse, much worse. Until new information came to light yesterday involving a player that is very much still part of that team. And not just a part of the team, but... The star of the team. Not just the star of the team, but arguably a future lottery pick on a team that has national championship aspirations. Because yesterday, information came to light about freshman sensations or sensation Brandon Miller's involvement, allegedly. Information that allegedly included him bringing Darius Miles' handgun to the scene of the shooting after Miles texted him for the gun. According to Tuscaloosa PD, Miller's car was also parked in a manner that blocked the path of the victim. Whether that was intentional or not, we do not know. What we do know is that Miller was there when it happened. Apparently, apparently, his car was, and there were bullet holes in his car. So he, in fact, may have been there, reportedly. So we're talking about a guy who may have been at the scene, yet since then has been going about his business, playing in games, helping Alabama march towards a potential one seed and a natty. Incredibly. I mean, really, really disturbing information. Really disturbing information to pretty much everybody except the head coach, Nate Oates who handled a horrific situation about as badly as a head coach possibly could. Tone deaf does not begin to describe how badly Oates is handling this. And he dropped an all-time horrible take to an all-time horrible situation when he met with the media yesterday. We knew about that. I mean, you know, can't control everything anybody does outside of practice. Nobody knew that was going to happen. College kids are out. Brandon hasn't been in any type of trouble, nor is he in any type of trouble in this case, like in the wrong spot at the wrong time. Did he really just throw that card? He was in the wrong spot at the wrong time. Are you kidding me? My man, this is a murder case. A 23-year-old woman with a young child was killed. Multiple members of your program were allegedly involved. And you just went with, my guy was in the wrong spot at the wrong time. We're not talking about y'all booking a beach vacation 
on a rainy week. That's being in the wrong spot at the wrong time. We're not talking about you walking into a bar and some drunk pukes all over your shoes. That's being in the wrong place at the wrong time. No, this would appear to being at the scene of a murder. And if, in fact, he was there, if he was, he put himself there. There was nothing inadvertent about that. So your wrong place at the wrong time is the worst take at the worst time. Somebody was murdered, and the best that you could come up with was your player who allegedly delivered the murder weapon used in the shooting is that he was in the wrong place at the wrong time. Again, possibly the worst possible thing that you could say at the worst possible time. I mean, Nate, come on. You really said that. You got to be better than that. And you got to be better than, quote, you can't control everything anybody does outside of practice. Nobody knew that was going to happen. That was a quote. Again, an absolutely horrible take at the worst possible time. You know, the, we can't keep tabs on our guys 24 and 7. Listen, that's not college kids being college kids. Somebody being shot and killed is just not a case of once they leave us, we don't know how they spend their time. No, that's not what that is. That's a case of somebody being shot and killed and your players reportedly being involved. Guy's like, not my fault. Not my fault that multiple players in my program may have allegedly been involved in something like this. I mean, bleep happens, you know? Boys will be boys. College kids, am I right? It's not like they told me anything about it. It's not like we drew that up in practice on one of those little dry erase clipboards, guys. It wasn't like they included me on the text thread, everybody. You know, the one where they allegedly conspired to do something like this. I didn't know. College kids. Holy crap, Nate. Any perspective at all? The only person in the wrong place at the wrong time was you at the podium yesterday. Dave Bliss is shaking his head at you right now, Nate. Art Bryles can't believe what's coming out of your mouth right now, Nate. And now we really know why he incredibly lobbed a telephone call to Ray Lewis, of all people, to get a better sense on how to handle this horrific situation. Way to think on your feet, Nate, by getting Ray Lewis on the phone. This is what he had to say about that. Quote, he went through a similar situation in Atlanta. He played in the NFL. He told me what he thought guys needed to hear. End of quote. I wasn't on the phone. I'm not privy to the conversation. But he must have told him something along the lines of just play through it like nothing happened. This too shall pass. And if for some reason it doesn't, act like you didn't know. And remind everybody that sometimes you're just in the wrong place at the wrong time. Oh, oh, and coach, let them know that you can't control what happens once they leave your control. 
I love how this guy was also blowing up Ray Lewis's phone because Ray was in a, quote, similar situation. A similar situation. What, you mean a murder situation? That situation? I wonder if Nate was on the phone and like saying, hey, 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 Ray, hey, Ray, hold on a second. I've got OJ Simpson hitting me back on the other line. I'll call you back, Ray, in a few minutes. Be good. Yo, Juice, what's up? How you doing? Hey, listen, Juice, are you available to speak to my team about an alleged murder? I mean, we got a real look at a real natty with a real lottery pick. This whole thing is becoming really distraction. You feel me, Juice? I mean, holy crap, Nate. Of course it all is a horrible situation. And, of course, when it all came out like that, he tried to walk it all back. And, of course, he failed miserably in that regard as well. I mean, how do you walk back something that insulting? How do you walk back something that insensitive? He tried. He failed. Quote, I thought it was important for me to clarify the unfortunate remarks I made earlier. This entire time, I've tried to be thoughtful in my words relative to this tragic incident, and my statements came across poorly. We were informed by law enforcement of other student-athletes being in the vicinity, and law enforcement has repeatedly told us that no other student-athletes were suspects. They were witnesses only. Our understanding is that they've all been fully truthful and cooperative. In no way did I intend to downplay the seriousness of this situation or the tragedy of that night, my prayers go out to Jemiah Harris's family. End of quote. Oh, thanks for clarifying nothing, Nate. This message is sponsored by Discover. Did you know that you could reduce the number of unwanted calls and emails with online privacy protection? The latest innovation from Discover. Discover will help routinely remove your personal info, like your name and address, from 10 popular people search websites that could sell your data, and they will do it for free. Activate in the Discover app. See terms and learn more at discover.com slash online privacy protection. The only way to, quote, clarify those statements is to say that you should have never made them in the first place. You don't clarify or try to describe or explain something that we may have missed. We understood what you just said. You know how you clarify that? By saying that you should have never said it in the first place. That's how you clarify it. You own how asinine it was that it came out of your mouth in the first place. Although he is right about one thing. Brandon Miller has not been charged with anything. Somehow. He hasn't been charged And according to the Tuscaloosa Chief Deputy District Attorney, quote, there's nothing we could charge him with. Kind of hard to figure. I mean, I'm not that well-versed in Alabama law. But apparently in Alabama, it's okay to drive the murder weapon to the scene of a murder as long as it's not actually your weapon, I guess. Doesn't make a hell of a lot of sense to me, but I'm not a lawyer. Nor do I know Alabama law. Listen, I don't know what happened. I really don't know what happened here. I just know one person is dead. And I can't for the life of me imagine what any of them were thinking. Or that Nate Oates thought that he could just sort of ignore the whole thing, play through, and it would all go away. Like, I I fully understand how powerful 
successful coaches are. Just as I fully understand how out of touch they can be. Just as I understand how they oftentimes act as if they're above the law because, frankly, in a lot of cases, they are above the law. That's why they act like they're above the law. But I've never met a coach who is above an alleged murder. And Miller, he was not in the wrong place at the wrong time. A teammate reportedly asked him to bring him his gun. And apparently, apparently, he did. And apparently that gun was used to kill a woman. I mean, what's next, Nate? Were you waiting to call Ray Carruth just in case Miller had to hide from the cops? Yeah, coach, here's what you do. Tell him to lie flat in the trunk of the car, all right? For a long time. Make sure he's prepared to be there a long time. Get him a stack of cash, some snacks, maybe a big old pickle jar to relieve himself in. Yeah, I don't know, Nate. Wrong place, wrong time is going to stick to you, dude. Wrong spot at the wrong time. Wrong spot at the wrong time is being claustrophobic and getting stuck in a crowded elevator that got stuck between floors. That's being stuck in the wrong place at the wrong time. I mean, Bartman was in the wrong place at the wrong time because he did what any other fan would have done in that situation. I mean, not to make light of it, but I don't know. Being a pigeon flying across the diamond while Randy Johnson is on the mound is being in the wrong place at the wrong time. I'm trying to be responsible with these clones, and you should too. This didn't have a tragic ending, so you can have a field day with something like this. I don't need you. I'm not even going to reference what I know you're already going to do. I'm just going to say don't do it. But for Nate Oates to get up there and try and argue that his guy was in the wrong spot at the wrong time. I don't know. The wrong spot at the wrong time is being on the floor playing after all this went down. Just play through it. Then how, how does that call to Ray Lewis look right about now? Hey, Ray, I know you went through something like this. You had a similar situation once, Ray. How should I handle it? Insane. Unbelievable. And it's going to get worse before it gets better. 1-800-636-8686. 1-800-636-8686. Yeah, I know. Nate Oates. I'm going to tell you straight up. We're talking about an alleged murder. I will not entertain. I will not tolerate. I will not condone even one single we can't go for that reference. Don't, Alvin.
Guys, keep yourself tight and feeling confident with new and improved Dove Men Plus Care Antiperspirant, reformulated with 72-hour sweat and odor protection and one-quarter moisturizing cream. Stop worrying about your underarms so you can be present for the moments that matter. Do not let underarm insecurities keep you at arm's distance from the ones you care about. Buy new and improved Dove Men Plus Care Antiperspirant with 72-hour sweat and odor protection wherever personal care products are sold. I'm speaking of Bob Melvin. Bob, it is so good to have you back. How are you, Bob? I'm good. Really good. Get going here yesterday, full squad. Everybody was here early and so forth. So in a good mood at this point, and I appreciate the intro. Love that, Bob. Appreciate you coming back on. Let me ask you this. I spoke to Dave Roberts yesterday, and I said you had this amazing regular season last year, and then the postseason ended abruptly. I said, I'm curious, Dave, what did you do in the offseason? How did you process it? And he sounded great. He said he went to London, had a few martinis, and reminded himself how much he loves the grind. He's totally rejuvenated. So what about you, Bob? You made that great run. How did you spend the offseason, and how do you feel about the team right now? Yeah, you know, it's it's good perspective hearing from from Doc like that. Um, you know, it's we've had a few of those in Oakland when I was there too, where we, you know, you have a good uh, regular season, and then sometimes it just doesn't work out quickly in the in the postseason. They had a great team. You know, we 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 obviously were playing well at the time, but you know, then we get to the NLCS and we lose, and and those things don't sit too well, and it takes a little while to get over it. I think really for us as a team. You know, usually in the off season you reset, you come back to spring, and it's a new season. I think this is basically for our group kind of an extension of last year. We feel like there's a little bit more out there for us. Guys were working pretty hard in the off season. You know, we had a mini camp that a lot of guys came to, and and a lot of them were here early for spring training. So, uh, you know, this group's pretty hungry. Got a got a nice taste of a deep postseason run last year and, and looking for a little bit more. We were talking to Bob Melvin. I appreciate that response. You know, it's interesting, Bob. Like you said, it didn't sit too well, and I get that. I mean, you're in it to win it, and the team was great, but when you consider that you spent a lifetime in this game as a player and a manager, it was such an amazing run. As you get farther away from it, and I get that you're looking ahead and not back, but does it still not sit too well with you, or was that maybe one of the greatest things that's ever happened when you look back on your career? Yeah, you know, a little of both, really. So, um, you know, if you if you really try to sit back and take, you know, look at a perspective in that, you know, when we started spring training, if someone would have told us that, you know, we're in the NLCS, uh, you probably have to take it based on where the team was the year before. So in that respect, you, you, you realize that you've made some strides. You know, we've set a set a culture here with a new coaching staff and brought in some new players here, too, that are that are hungry to win. Um so, yeah, I mean, it was really cool. Look, beating the Mets over there at their place in a series and, and beating the Dodgers that really had their way with us all year during the season uh, was a big hurdle for us. So you have to, to take those things along with you when you say, you know, we're trying to make it an extension. So good point. Uh, overall, yes, very good year for us. You bet. Padres manager Bob Melvin joining us. When you talk about some of the new guys who came in, of course, you get Juan Soto at the trade deadline. Maybe he didn't put up the numbers that he had when he won that batting title in 2020, but what did his presence mean to your lineup, and then what's his outlook for this season? Uh, it was huge. You know, when the, when the trade was made and you bring in a, a Juan Soto, it's like, you know, you know ownership is is thinks that the team has a chance. And, you know, we were, I wouldn't say floundering. We weren't playing our best baseball at the time. Certainly we got here. We, we felt a little bit better about ourselves. You know, puff your chest out a little bit more when you have a guy like that coming to your team. 
And, you know, from that point on, we started playing better baseball. We played our best baseball towards the end of the season and into the postseason, and he had a lot to do with that. You know, Bob, ownership, as you point out, and management sends a definite message when you pull the trigger and you make a deal like that. But then the team stays aggressive, signing Xander Bogarts. We're talking about a four-time All-Star, a five-time Silver Slugger. What's he bring to you both in between the lines and in the clubhouse? Man, you know, this is a guy that you just, I've had so much respect for over the years, just watching how he plays. And then, you know, you hear from, you know, everybody over in Boston, what a leader he is to be able to, to bring that type of player. You know, production's one thing, but leadership, too, to, you know, our club that we feel like is kind of on the cusp. And then other guys, too. You know, Matt Carpenter's got leadership qualities. Certainly Nelson Cruz has leadership qualities, too. Uh, we brought in any number of guys that, that uh, you know, we feel are going to enhance our, our chances. And then, you know, Fernando Tatis Jr. is looming as well. So, you know, with what was a really good club last year, uh, we, we feel like we have a, be, a chance to be better this year. You know, I'm going to ask you about Fernando in a minute, but there's, like, there's intangibles and leadership qualities like you're talking about. And then there's just flat-out star power right? And big time talent. So much so that Mike Schilt, a senior advisor with the team and a former manager of the cards, said, quote, We've got the baseball Beatles right now. It's a great quote. Is that how it feels to you? That is a great quote. I, I didn't think about it in that light until I read that, but he's exactly right. You know, we have four or five, six, seven guys here that, you know, when you go somewhere else that they're always waiting for, you know, these one or two guys uh, to get autographs for. There's a lot of fanfare, you know, coming into the clubhouse, out of the clubhouse, you know, these guys, it is similar to like a, 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 you know, a rock star or a rock band. So I think that was well-timed and well-said by him. And now that I've heard that, it does feel a little bit like that. It does. Padres manager Bob Melvin joining us for a few more moments. You mentioned Fernando Tatis. He's still serving a suspension. But can you update us? How does he look to you physically right now? And then how would you describe his headspace and mindset? Man, he looks really good. You know, for a guy that's gone, you haven't played basically in 15 months, you know, has gone through three surgeries, you know, two on the wrist and one on the shoulder. You know, you have your doubts and how long this is going to take and what he's going to look like when he first comes back. Is he going to be favoring anything? He, he, this guy's ready to play. As a matter of fact, he was arguing with me about getting in that first spring training game here. That's how good he feels. But there are a few more boxes he needs to check. You know, we, we would get him diving back into bases, doing some things before we get him. But you know, he'll be somewhere in the first week of games here, and he's just itching to go. He's got one of those personalities that's just so infectious. You know, his athletic ability is just off the charts. You know, probably could play any sport, any position, that type of athlete. So um, it, it's really exciting to think what this thing's going to look like when he comes back. And I, I couldn't be more pleased with his progress physically right now. So, Paul, before I let you go, let me ask you about Manny Machado because he confirmed his plans to opt out of his contract. I know you'll let the front office handle business matters. I know that you'll manage the players you do have, but I'm kind of curious about what your reaction was to that. Better to say it and so you're not asked about it all year long or maybe better to leave that unsaid? You know, look, it, it, it was in his contract. So, you know, it is what it is. I know he loves it here. I know ownership front office, players, this is, this is a guy that, that really took his leadership qualities to another level last year. So Peter Seidler's shown that he, he's taken care of our guys here, and I know he loves Manny. So probably better just to get it out of the way right now and we, we move forward, you know, go through the, you know, some drama with it right now. 
um, where we might have to deal with it later. But, you know, we knew it was in the contract with the money that was given out last year, the years that were given out to some guys. I get it, but I think he's handling it the right way. And let's get past this right now. I'm all about leading. I'm all about playing. There's a lot on the table for us this year. And, We'll deal with it at a later time. Certainly is. Bob Melvin joining us. One last thought, Bob. What about the rule changes? I mentioned Dave Roberts. He was actually really enthusiastic about MLB's rule changes, saying that he thinks that it will improve the game. He likes it. Generally speaking, how do you feel about the bigger bases, the pitch clock, and the shift being banned? Yeah, and then and the throwovers, too. You know, only right. two throwovers. It, it feels like a lot. Um, going into into spring training, I'm glad we have spring training to to work through it. You know, right now when we're throwing lives and so forth, we have the pitch clocks there. We want guys to be cognizant of it. I think the hitters might have a little tougher time actually with the pitch clock maybe than the than the pitchers do. But if it speeds up the game and makes it a better product and more people watch and it's just better for the baseball world, then I'm for it as well. Um, there, there are going to be some hiccups probably going through spring training, but like anything, that's what spring training's for, and hopefully have them all ironed out by the time the season starts. It's almost exactly what he said, the same thing, that it probably <laughs> is going to hurt the batters more than the pitchers initially, but if it's better for the game, and it might be, then it's better for everybody. He is the manager of the Padres. They are coming off an amazing year. He is setting his sights on the coming season. Bob, I really appreciate you. You know this. I've always appreciated all our conversations, and great to have you back. Thanks so much. Feelings mutual anytime, Jim. Hey now, are you craving some protein after a good workout? Of course. Can I tell you, I'm starving after every workout. So this time, do not make a shake or eat a bar. Grab a bag of beef jerky from Old Trapper instead. Why Old Trapper? Because Old Trapper beef jerky is tasty and it's tender. And it's made with real strips of steak and quality spices that are smoked over a wood fire. And Old Trapper is a family-owned business that takes smoked beef extremely seriously. And you can taste it in every single bite. I mean, who wants dried out, rough beef in a bag? Nobody. It's like eating a shoe. Old Trapper, though, is the real deal, and it comes in four amazing flavors. Old Fashioned is sweetened with a touch of brown sugar goodness. Teriyaki, peppered, and hot and spicy for those who like to take things up a notch. So next time you want a great protein and energy snack that you can have anytime, anywhere, grab some Old Trapper beef jerky. Look for Old Trapper in the Clearview bag. That way you can see exactly what you're buying. Look for it in major retail stores near you. If you don't see it, clones, ask for it by name because no other jerky compares. Old Trapper, what is your beef? How about A.J. Brown getting dealt? I mean, the move was shocking in and of itself in the offseason. And then the dude gets another opportunity and just goes off for Philadelphia. He breaks his career yardage mark, his best season, by 400 yards. A major factor in the Eagles suddenly becoming the offensive juggernaut that they were. And then the guy goes and just balls the hell out in the Super Bowl. Is any of that any good? And I might have left out the best part. In fact, I definitely left out the best part. The best part was when he was dealt. He got an opportunity to play the squad that traded him away for the 18th pick overall in last year's draft. And what did he do? He set them on fire. Eight catches, 119 yards, couple of tutties. And if that weren't enough, and it were, if that weren't enough, literally 48 hours later, the Titans fire their GM, John Robinson, a guy who had a really nice run. But the GM that traded A.J. away. 
Now, I don't know for certain that Robinson was fired as a direct result of that performance, but it sure as hell looked like Robinson was fired as a direct result of that performance. That'd be a new one. Tell me one time that, I mean, never mind that. When was the last time you saw GM get sawed off midseason? A successful GM, no less, sawed off midseason. You don't see that very often. But I'll tell you something you never, ever, ever see because I'm not sure it's ever happened. I've never heard or seen a GM get broken off midseason because a player that he dealt came back to humiliate the organization the very next season. Not that I want to be crass about this, but that has got to be an all-time ultimate tell-me-how-my-ass-taste. Tell me how my ass tastes. My point is, A.J. Brown had a really, really good year. And obviously, he wants to keep the good times coming in Philadelphia. That dude does not want anything else to change, which means he wants his quarterback signed long-term. Because, of course, he does. Jalen Hurts has emerged as an MVP caliber player, and he and AJ have better chemistry than, I don't know, Maverick and Charlie. You remember the original love interest? The one who did not get invited back for the sequel? Not sure how she didn't make the cut. So it should not surprise that AJ had Jalen's back when he appeared on the Raw Room podcast this week. Check it out. Listen, listen, I love Philly. And I'm about, what I'm about to say, you do not pay this man. Just shoot me off wherever he finna go. <laughs> it's over. I'm telling you, go. I'm telling you. Package deal me <laughs> with him. Listen, so you talk about pressure? How we get it done. Get it done. <laughs> Take care of this guy, or if you don't, ship me wherever he ends up going. How we get it done. How we get it done. He also had a quote. They got to give Jalen the house, the building, the state, everything. And he added, quote, I'm definitely going to try to do everything in my power to play as long as I can with Jalen and Devontae. Hey, Philly fan, that's got to make you feel pretty good, right? Those statements have got to have you channeling your inner Jim Irsay. (laughs) love to see it Philly fan you got love to see it the Super Bowl second half disaster aside the vibes right now in Philly are incredible and they should be because that offense is locked it's loaded it's set up to be very good for years to come assuming they take care of their quarterback and they will Howie Roseman's already come out and said that an extension for Hurts is an offseason priority for that team, even though he still has one year left on that rookie deal. So I'm sure that Jalen appreciates A.J. putting pressure on the front office, but I don't think the front office needs any pressure to figure out how this has to go. Howie Roseman seems to be fine figuring out almost every single right move all by himself. If there's anything at all right now that Philly fan needs to stress about, it's the fact that they lost both coordinators. Even if Philly fan was personally volunteering to drop Jonathan shot out of a cannon Gannon at the airport. How do you replace that? That's not easy. Still, 
tough to replace both coordinators in a single offseason. So I'm sure that America's most hated Philly bro, although they love Philly bro and Philly, Nick Sirianni is extremely busy right now figuring out how to replace those two guys, figuring out what that new staff's going to look like. However, I'm sure he will have no problem putting people in place to have systems to build a smart football team, whatever the hell that was supposed to mean. The next thing that's very important to me is that we build a smart football team, that we have a smart football team here. And I know we have the, the people in place to do that. The first part of that, the first part of being smart is knowing what to do. We're gonna, we're gonna know, we're gonna have systems in place that are easier to learn. All right, complicated to the deep- thing is that doesn't sound very smart at all. I love this dude. His sound bites are all amazing. His sound bites are amazing. He's still bringing the fire, the straight fire. Except there's no way he ever tops that. There is no way he will ever top his intro presser. That said, I'm not at all surprised that the actual best part of A.J. Brown's appearance on the Raw Room pod was a Sirianni anecdote. He told a story about trying to make a point about paying attention to the details. The other day I was, uh, I got in the car and had to work, and I, and I see my neighbor, as I sit in my car, I see my neighbor uh, walking her dog, right? And she's walking her dog, and um, the dog goes to the bathroom, you know, um, and... Um, Get, she, bring, she gets the bag out. She gets the bag out. She, she scoops. She scoops the, the dog. The, the, the dog. Say shit. Yeah, say <laughs> you know, shit. with the hand, right? Yeah, with the- and um, and I'm just thinking that I'm just thinking like, you know, everything she did in that exact moment. You know how she scooped it. How she got the bag. The but he about to relate this. No shit. way. The take. No way. So he was like, so this 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 this, this would be funny. It was like. It's in the detail, guys. It's in the detail. This dude would told a story about his neighbor scooping up dog crap so that his team knew that it was, quote, in the details. I'm surprised it wasn't also in the details that she scooped that dog crap and turned it into a dog crap sando. You know, like the horse pies? Among the great Philly traditions, that and booing Santa Claus. This message is sponsored by Discover. Did you know you could reduce the number of unwanted calls and emails with online privacy protection, the latest innovation from Discover? Discover will help regularly remove your personal info, like your name and address, from 10 popular people search websites that could sell your data, and they will do it for free. Activate in the Discover app, see terms, and learn more at discover.com slash online privacy protection. Todd McClellan is my guest. Todd, it's great to have you on the show. How are you? I'm doing well, Jim. Thanks for having me. Very good to have you, Todd. Appreciate it. Listen, I mentioned that you're in the midst of a critical road trip, which I'll get to in a minute, but the regular season, Todd, is about 70% complete. How do you feel about this particular group and where you're at right now? Actually, we feel quite good, Jim. Our uh, our season's gone um, as we expected to this point. Um, we'd always like a few more wins, but every team would, but... Our team is evolving and, and developing as the season goes on. Uh, we're fairly healthy, which is uh, new for us, and uh, we're winning some games. So 
Uh, we're pleased where we're at. We know we've got a tough trek ahead of us, but uh, so far, so good. You know, and I like this notion of this team is evolving. So let me ask you about this, because I know you talked about it earlier with the season or with the team this season. What about in terms of evolution, you're talking about identity, right? Like, for instance, what is the identity of this group? And do you feel like night to night the team plays to that identity? Yeah, we do. We're we're uh, rapidly evolving into a fast-paced team, uh, a transition team, but we can also check our way to win. So, we feel like we can play the game any way we have to, whether it's a, a tight checking or a, an offensive style. Um, we have real good leadership from the three remaining uh, Stanley Cup champs that are, are with our team in Ante Kopitar, Drew Doughty, and Jonathan Quick. And part of the evolution supporting that group with some of the, the younger players. And um, our organization's done a really good job of, of reloading on the fly, uh, whether it's through draft picks or development, trades, and uh, those players are really starting to have an impact as well. So we're uh, we're excited about the future, uh, dealing with now, uh, but looking forward to the future as well. I like it. I like the way that team is built, Todd. I really like the way management's built that team. For instance, seems to me you guys are really deep, especially up front. How much easier does that make your job as a head coach when you've got guys who are competing that hard and all want that ice time? Well, it makes it easier because everybody can play. Um, there's teams that maybe don't have that luxury, but it also makes it harder on us because everybody wants to play. And uh, there's only so many minutes that can go around, uh, but it creates internal competition, and we've been able to use that at least for the past two weeks, uh, keeping guys' attention, uh, moving guys in and out of the lineup, uh, not necessarily resting some people, but when they uh, are banged up a bit, we can get them the, the time they need to heal. So up front, we're, we're deep. Uh, back end, we're still working on it, and uh, goaltending Phoenix Copley's come in and uh, given us some really good games. So uh, solid throughout the three positions. I was going to ask you about that, Todd. Maybe you can elaborate on that. You still have Jonathan Quick. You mentioned you've got the three guys left over from the Stanley Cup years. Quick is still there. He's still steady. You've got Phoenix Copley, who's got 17 wins in 24 games that he's played. Overall, how do you feel about the play that you're getting between the pipes night to night? Well, we started out the year with, with two guys that we thought were, were going to carry the mail, and they, they did a really good job, uh, fell off a little bit, and then Phoenix Copley came in, and when he arrived, um, he wasn't spectacular. He was just steady, and that's exactly what we needed. He, he stabilized the team for a while, and he, uh, he continues to put up wins. Um, he's a very quiet goaltender, and I don't mean verbally. I just mean with his, his play around the net, um, not a lot of rebounds, uh, not a lot of uh, extracurricular stuff, if you will. And he provides us with a lot of confidence. And we always feel good about falling, falling back on Jonathan Quick's shoulders. His experience, his pedigree, uh, his leadership. Um, we're very fortunate to have both of those players right now. Todd, one of the guys that you brought in was Kevin Fiala, and he's delivered. He leads the team in points. He was named to the All-Star team for the first time in his career. What kind of a dimension has he brought to both the room and on the ice? Uh, dynamic, skilled player. Um, he's the game-breaker that we probably haven't had for years. Uh, when the puck is on his tape, and he wants it all the time, but when it's on his tape, there's something happening. And, uh, uh, again, we haven't had that. He has an incredible passion for the game uh, and a skill set to match. So we're very fortunate to have him. Uh, he came as delivered, and, um, you know, he's, he's leading our team right now. We can't ask for much more than that. You're talking Kings hockey. It feels good. It's hard. What about a few weeks back? Let me go back. The Kings honored Dustin Brown. They retired as number 23. There's going to be a statue of him outside Crypto or Crypt.com Arena. What did you take away from the time you had coaching him? Competitor. 
fierce competitor. Um, if, if anything could rub off on the remaining players that we have here in Los Angeles or any up-and-coming young players is his competitiveness. He wasn't always the best player every night, but his drive and desire to make himself and his teammates better were, were second to none. And uh, the sacrifices that this guy made physically um, throughout his career were immense. He, he played hurt. He played banged up. Um, even when it wasn't going well for him, he found a way to leave his mark on the game. And uh, you can't ask uh, much more than, than that from a, a guy that played for 18, 19 years in the league. Yeah, Todd, it's a nationally-based talk show you're on right now, but I'm a Los Angeles native. I've shared this story numerous times, but I want to repeat this. As a kid growing up in L.A., we had season tickets to the L.A. Kings, so we would go to the games. I would hang out in the Forum Club after the game, wait for the likes of Rogie Vashon to roll in, and I witnessed all of this. Like I witnessed the years of the Triple Crown line, before the Triple Crown line, pre-'99. I've tried to share this with this national audience that as bad a rep as this town gets for being a front-running town with front-running sports fans, and there being so many entertainment options, L.A. is actually a pretty good hockey town with a really rabid fan base. Can you back me up on this? As a head coach, how do you like living and working in this town? Well, I would be happy to back you up on that. I think you've hit the nail on the head. Um, we have uh, a lot of competition in a, in a city the size of Los Angeles, but we've cut out our own niche in the in the hockey market in LA, um, the cities that I visited and lived in, uh, it's as passionate a, a community as anywhere else in the league. And the fact that the team has won some championships, brought in some very recognizable players, Wayne Gretzky and, and some others, uh, I think that really grew the game. Um, as far as life in LA, I don't think there's been a better spot for me to live. Uh, for my wife and I, we enjoy uh, the lifestyle there. There's so many options. Um, away from the rink for, for uh, overall enjoyment. And uh, as you know, living there, it's, uh, it's as good a spot as there is, other than the traffic. I can't fix that, my man. I know that. I, you cannot fix that. That's part of the price we pay living here. But I love that you've got that kind of passion and enthusiasm for the town. Before I let you go, I mentioned that you're in the midst of a five-game road trip. I know you'll tell me one day at a time, one game at a time. But all five of these teams, if the postseason were to start today, they would be in. So how critical is this trip, and how are you approaching it? Well, this is as tough as uh, a trip as we'll have all season. Uh, as you mentioned, the competition that – that we'll face and the way the games roll out and, and, and travel, uh, it's going to make it very difficult. We started off with a loss last night in Minnesota, played a, uh, an excellent game, probably the best we played coming out of the, uh, out of the all-star break and end up with a loss. But if we, uh, if we keep reproducing what we did last night, we feel like we'll come away with some wins, but uh, they won't come easy. Uh, but I think it's really good for our team right now to go through this. Um, we need to be pushed a little bit and uh, gives us an idea of what we have heading into the trade deadline, which will come uh, March 3rd. Todd, how do you feel about that before I let you go since you brought it up? Are you, you're certainly not a seller, I wouldn't think. Are you a buyer? Do you like what you have? Or essentially, do you just do what teams do, look for anything that can make you better? I guess that's a pretty convoluted way of saying, what are you thinking? What are your thoughts at the deadline as it approaches? Yeah, see, we, we, we're going to take the approach that if we can make our team better, we certainly will. Uh, but we're not going to do it just for the sake of making a, a trade or a deal. We like the group we have. We like the chemistry. Uh, there is some depth on our team right now, but uh, I know our management team is looking and, and talking to other teams, but uh, 
if something happens, great. If not, we feel good about our chances with the group we have. I like that management team. I like former players from that franchise being a part of that management team. He is the head coach of the LA Kings. They're having a really nice year. They're on a really critical road trip right now. Todd McClellan, my guest. Todd, really nice to talk Kings hockey with you. Great to have you on the show. Thank you very much. Have a good day, Jim. Take care. You too. So if you want to hit anything at all, it's out. There is a new guy. Clones, there is a new guy. And he's on the other side of the glass. You know that whole joke about, hey, who's the new guy? There actually is a new guy. There actually is a new guy. Welcome to the program. I am Jim Rome. That is Jack Savage. An absolute savage. There is the new guy. I've already warned him about you clones. Jack knows. Jack, let's say about Jack really quickly. Jack is a new guy. Jack's on that side of the glass. Jack's going to help out. Jack is a guy who comes extremely highly recommended. High energy, tremendous academic background, nice athletic background. He's motivated. He's ambitious. He's working hard. He's on the other side of the glass. He is one of us. And since he is one of us clones, I would say to you, welcome him as only you can, but you're going to do what you do anyway. He already knows about you. We've done this a number of times. <laughs> James Kelly's in. James Kelly's like, dude, that's an incredible name. No chance he wasn't a linebacker at some point. I think he was. Hey, Jack, were you a linebacker? He did. He played linebacker. Of course he played linebacker with a name like that. And by the way, dude, that's not a radio name. That's his real name. That's not a radio name. Either a linebacker or a disgruntled police detective who plays by his own rules. Jack Savage, Fridays, 8 p.m. Eastern on Fox. Police chief's always up my ass. Do it my own way. This fall on Fox, Jack Savage, a disgruntled cop who plays by his own rules. No, man, dude. Yeah, I, I'm not saying that it's a thing, but I'm proud of the educational background of this crew. Think about this now. I'm UC, University of California. Alvi is University of California. Chalk is Columbia. Jack Savage, disgruntled cop who plays by his own rules. And former Mike. Were you a Mike dude? Were you a middle linebacker? Jack, Jack, let me say about Jack. Jack not only is University of California as well, my man went to UCLA. Not only did my man go to UCLA, he got a master's degree from Northwestern, yo. So say what you want about this show. Say what you want about this crew. I've got the best educated crew in this business. I dare you to find a more educated crew than my crew, the XR4TI. UC Santa Cruz, UC Santa Barbara, UC LA, Columbia, Northwestern, and James Kelly's a high school dropout. James Kelly got a GED, I think. I think. So, welcome to the new guy. 
Jack Savage, disgruntled cop who plays by his own rules this fall on Fox. Hey, find him, dude. Find him on social. He's here. Good to have you, Jack. Welcome aboard. James Kelly said that he went to Metro State University. Which one of these is not like the others? UC Santa Cruz, UC Santa Barbara, UCLA, Columbia, Northwestern, and Metro State University. Dude, is there even such a thing? Just make that crap up. I've never heard of Metro State University. What is that, dude? Truck driver's school. Truck, don't at me. Those trucks are not going to drive themselves. Dude, no way you could get into the truck driving school academy. Head. Bartenders of America. You couldn't do that either. Anyway, we got a new guy. He's got a nice athletic background, got a nice educational background, but most of all, got a good head on his shoulders, good energy, very ambitious. He's going to make it better. 1-800-636-8686. Let's check out some of the early reaction. That's his real name, yo. Jack Savage. Hey, Rome. Is that Trevor Hoffman behind the glass next to Cindy? Not bad. Hey, Jack, that's as good as it's going to get, dude. You better roll with that. (laughs) I would take that if I were you. Is that Trevor Hoffman behind the glass next to Cindy? No, it's not. Romeo, tell Jack that he fell down face first at the beach and forgot to wipe the sand off his lip. V in the fee? Come on, V. Dear Jim, Smiling Jack Savage seems like an appropriate moniker. Bob and Arcata. Yeah, only to you, Bob. Hey, Jim. The new guy's name is Jack Savage? Come on, Rome. Did you hire him in Chatsworth? No. Nor Van Eyes. Not Chatsworth. Not Van Eyes. He's not from the adult film industry. Nah. Jimmo's. How long before Jack Savage gets a job with the city of Alhambra? I don't know, dude. I think he likes it here. Unlike old Ross from Friends. Actually, Ross from Friends seemed like he liked it here, too. That's Dasmati. Dasmati is one of the most curious cases ever. Like, most people I know on the way up badly want to be a part of the program, badly want to be a part of a legacy program, badly want to be in sports talk radio. I mean, right? They pay you to watch games. They pay you to create content. They pay you. I mean, it's a dream come true, right? To everybody except Dasmati. Dasmati's true dream was to work for the city of Alhambra. Anybody, Anybody else I know would have a city job would be like, man, I know I could do Rome's job better than Rome. If only I could get through the door and prove it. Man, this city job sucks. Eight to five, living Friday to Friday, check to check. Man, this is the worst. Except Dasmati turned it on its head. Dasmati worked for me and he's like, man, this sports talk radio gig is the worst. Friday to Friday, check to check. Man, there's got to be something better out there. I could work for the city. 
not just the city, but the city of Alhambra. I could be there at the opening of parks. I could be a public servant. I could be the one with the gigantic scissors cutting through the red ribbon at the opening of the local park. Whatever it is, I got to get the hell away from sports talk radio. No, man, Jack's here. Jack's here. Jack will blow right by. I'm trying to hold on to Jack as long as I can. I I know this. He'll leave one day, but not for the city of Alhambra. I feel safe in saying that. Planet Wilson. Hey, Jim, how many people did Jack Savage kill on his way to work this morning? Signed John Wick. Jack, I got to tell you something, bro. It's going pretty well for you. It's going pretty well for you, bro. I've seen everybody come through here. The only person it went better for is Cindy. This one says, is Jack the macho man's son? No, truth is, Jack's actually got a famous pop. And it's not macho man. Paul and Canyon Lake. This guy nailed it. Jamie in Green Bay, he nailed it. Jamie, I never thought I would say this about you, but you nailed it. Quote, smart crew, dumb audience. That's true. Not the entire audience. Just most of you. Smart crew, dumb audience. Like, how many people did Jack Savage kill on his way to work this morning? None. And if he did, what would I say? Wrong spot, wrong time? Nate. Nate Oates. Jack Savage. Wrong spot, wrong time. Just play through, Jack. Just come to work. Do what you do. Hey, Jim. <laughs> when will you have little Alvy hand him the manila envelope for the staff meeting? You just wrecked it, Mike. Now we can't do it. Mike and Temecula. Great, Mike. Great. Great, Mike. You just wrecked our gag. <laughs> that, that's part of the initi- initiation process. Now we've got to find a way to do that without the Manila envelope. Hey, Rome, who wins a fight? Jack Savage or Jason Bourne? Bourne. Jack's pretty well put together, but he doesn't have that skill set. Bourne. At least Jack remembers his own name. At least Jack knows who he is. Bourne. I was watching Bourne the other night. I'm getting really sidetracked again. I was watching Bourne the other night, and I love Bourne. But come on with that dude on the boat performing surgery on Bourne and pulling the bullets out of his back. That's a highly skilled fisherman, if you ask me. Oh, yeah, yeah, I get get that that dude probably is capable of things. Pulling a hook out of a uh, a fish's mouth is different than performing surgery on Bourne and pulling bullets and shrapnel out of his back. I don't know. I've done this a long time. I got to say Jack Savage, that's definitely the best name that we've ever had for a crew member. Even better than Lil Alvy. Jesus Christ, it's Jack Savage. It's Jason Bourne. When he walked through the door for the interview, I'm like, Jesus Christ, it's Jack Savage.
James Kelly still trying to weigh in. Kelly, I don't care. I, I ran your ass yesterday. Remember, Kelly? Man, what a short memory this guy must have. In case you missed it, I ran James Kelly from the show yesterday. He works on the show. He got the hammer. He's having a good old time with Savage. Kelly, your opinion does not matter. Especially when you talk about that. Kelly, that's the kind of take that could get all of us fired. What he's hitting me up with right now. Anyway, if you want to weigh in, we have a new guy. Jack Savage. Real name. Back row. He's still here. He hasn't quit yet. I haven't fired him yet. So far, so good. Good night, now. 